0: To a special edition of our show History on the Rocks, with katie and allie normally it would be just allie and i hanging out talking about famous women in history having a few cocktails but sometimes we like to talk
1: about people who are writing about history we have a very special guest here with us today andrew noon welcome to the show
2: many thanks good to be here
1: Andrew is an independent scholar who teaches art and history and music and lives near the resting place of the people that he wrote about, so that's pretty interesting, and is here today to talk about his new book, Bathsheba Spooner, A Revolutionary Murder Conspiracy. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Sure. Um, I'm I'm married with two grown children. I live on the park where uh, Bathsheba was buried. I teach uh, music for the Worcester Public Schools. I've taught colleges in Eastern Massachusetts art history, music history, and English as a second language. This is my first book.
0: Okay, wonderful. Well, we're really excited to get into this book. Bathsheba Spooner sounds really wild. (laughs) Uh, But first, we have to talk about the cocktail we made for your book. Um, So, this is obviously just called Bathsheba Spooner. Um, And we decided to keep it simple. We mixed red wine grape juice and we just put a splash of soda water on it we we're thinking about um uh, kind of how deceiving <laughs> names can be and <laughs> how Bathsheba Spooner might just look like a regular revolutionary times woman but there's something underneath the surface you know grape juice wine you know how different are they really <laughs> uh so cheers to you cheers book. to you <laughs> Okay. It's actually pretty good. It tastes like sangria. I know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's nice. I like it a lot. (laughs) So I'm really excited to dive into this story because one of the things that I was looking up when I was researching about this is that outside of really the general area where this took place, it's not a Mm -hmm. very widely known story. And I'm a history teacher and I don't, I didn't really know about this. So it seemed pretty cool. So Mm -hmm. can you set the scene for your book, like, Where are we? When are we? What is the setting like?
2: Sure. So we're in central Massachusetts, uh, middle of the revolution. Uh, Brookfield is about uh, 18 miles from Worcester. Worcester was the um, county, uh, the main town in the county, county center. Uh, So all the action takes place between Brookfield and Worcester in 1778.
0: Okay, perfect. And I think we need to also set the scene for who is Bathsheba Spooner and what is her life like in this area?
2: She's the uh, 14th of uh, 15 children from two marriages of by um, Timothy Ruggles. Ruggles uh, was the best-known um, loyalist in Massachusetts. Uh, she was his favorite child. Hmm. Uh, she was born on uh, Sandwich on the Cape Cod, lived in Sandwich for her um, childhood, and then moved to uh, Hardwick, which is northwestern Worcester County, when she was a teenager, young teenager. Yeah.
1: And there, I feel like there's a lot going on, hmm um in America at this point or the American colonies right we're talking like there's a political background there's a military background we have a woman involved um we're talking about you know she's married there's divorce so Mm -hmm. what like what is going on that leads up to the circumstances of this scandal
2: sure so she marries Joshua Spooner of Boston it was likely an arranged marriage by her father so he leaves Boston he goes what 70 miles into the interior with her. Uh, They get married. They have four kids. One uh, dies in childbirth. The marriage seems to be rocky from day one. Uh, According to legend, he was much older than Bathsheba. He was not. He was only a couple years older than she was. There were suggestions of abuse, although it's never firmly clarified what the abuse was. If people say he was an alcoholic, well, half the men in the town were alcoholics. That did not have any relevance, I don't think. Uh, he may have been very cranky, but again, the only time we look at Joshua, we see Joshua, is when he's in a cranky situation. He's being stolen from. There are strange British soldiers living in his house, or he's about to be murdered. And we would respond kind of crankily also. Uh, so, again, marriage is not, does not go very well. And finally, Bathsheba takes advantage of British soldiers. Uh, POW is wandering near her home, and an American soldier to plot her husband's murder. Mm. And before they even appeared, she appealed to a, a Scottish soldier who was the first one on the scene in November of 1777 and began trying to involve him in a murder plot. Hmm.
0: So this kind of sounds like it's not only obviously involving a murder, but kind of um, treason. <laughs> like, this yeah. is a much bigger thing than I think I kind of realized when I saw, oh, she just kind of killed her husband. <laughs> right, right. So, what kind of led to this being... Um, like, how did they find out about the plot? How did everything kind of unravel?
2: They were not very subtle about it. Uh, they w- w- would go back and forth from Worcester to uh, Brookfield constantly. They were always in the taverns in Worcester. Uh, her sister uh, was Mary Green, who lives who lived in the estate across the street from me. Mary Green was married to the state's most prominent physician, John Green of Worcester. And uh, so he was re- they were a political family, so they were always seen in Worcester. Worcester was a small village that 1,800 people. It was hard not to be seen. Brookfield back then was um, bigger than Worcester. Today Worcester is literally ten times the size of Brookfield, so it's it's switched over the years. But uh, so Wor- Worcester was a real village back then. It was hard to not be seen. And someone as as flamboyant as Bathsheba didn't hide her flamboyancies from anybody really, you know. So she was not subtle. She was not. It was devious, but it was kind of out in the open. Uh, and so the men were well known around town.
1: Yeah. And mm-hmm. one thing I saw is that at at this time, this like murder case ends up being as gripping as like the story of Lizzie Borden, who we've covered on this show. How how much did the people in the surrounding area know about this?
2: Uh, certainly in Worcester and Brookfield, they knew about it. It wasn't nothing was printed until the murder. Mm-hmm. But uh, those two towns time- was really well over. And again, her she being the daughter of. Timothy Ruggles. She was watched pretty closely. Mm -hmm. Also, she's in a relatively small town, Brookfield, and she's a very out there personality. She's a a wealthy woman. Uh, She dressed elegantly. Uh, She was not a wallflower by any stretch. So they all knew about Bathsheba. Mm -hmm. So the story was pretty much out there and the suspicions were very high prior to the murder. Mm -hmm. That's how it was about to happen.
0: Yeah. And so everything kind of unravels and I was reading online that, you know, they end up being caught and then executed Mm -hmm. Uh, but I also read that she was pregnant when she was executed she she tried to say it and did they not believe her and what were the repercussions of executing a pregnant woman
2: yeah so would you like some of the background of her pregnancy or yeah
0: yeah.
2: (laughs) so she um at four months pregnant she uh, uh protested to the state that she was pregnant and asked for a stay of execution her minister who was her counselor petitioned to the state Uh, The exam was done. Uh, She was found not to be pregnant. She petitioned again, claiming she still was, of course, uh, and the state did not uh, endorse the second um, exam. But one went through anyways. The second exam found that she was pregnant, but the state ignored the results. Mm -hmm. A day before she was executed, there was another informal exam by a single midwife who also found she was pregnant. Uh, Yeah, it's interesting. She requested an autopsy. Autopsy was done following her execution. They found the five-month-old child. And then you hear very little about it after that. All you hear is that she and her child were buried in Green Hill Park, and then everything shuts down. There's nothing about it. I mean, the, shame, the, the town must have been uh, very ashamed of it, I imagine.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially since it seems like, I mean, a lot of women would get uh, a stay of execution, like, for a very long time. I mean, even in um, – you know Salem, some people accused of witchcraft, you know, so there's a history in Boston of like saying, "Hey, you know we're not gonna kill these women if they're mm-hmm.
2: pregnant it, that was course that was an old trick also claiming um pregnancy,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. so Mary Reed and um who did we do the two mm-hmm. pirate girls uh and Bonnie and yeah. mary Reed both got yeah. <laughs> got their sentences kind of held back for that <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. and uh would not have noticed her at five months,
1: right, right, right. yeah. <laughs>
2: It says a lot about, it says a lot about the politics of the time also I think they gave her the one the one exam. you had your chance uh things are very testy uh, the inflation was high, mm-hmm. all the men are gone uh things are not very happy in the Commonwealth. and mm-hmm. so we're not going to deal with it
0: right you had yeah. your chance
2: one I think that it also of course she was loathed as the daughter of uh, the leading loyalist
0: right and so because we're in such interesting kind of political times, you know mm-hmm. are there other people you know like Robert Payne, John Hancock, that are kind of tangentially involved in this, or is it kind of kept out of that history?
2: So John Hancock was the governor of the time, and as governor, he would have organized the trial. Robert Treat Payne, who signed the declaration, was the prosecutor. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you read in the course of the book, Abigail Adams comments on the case offhandedly, but she, she refers to the, the crimes of the day, and that was certainly topmost in her mind. It was the most outrageous crime carrying in England in the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Levi Lincoln, who was Thomas Jefferson's future attorney general, he was defense counsel. So a lot of big names were involved.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems it seems crazy because we, you know, we've heard all these names, and we people love true crime in <laughs> in, in the United States and, and I mean elsewhere. So why why haven't I heard about this yeah. story before?
2: I think both, first the shameful aspect of it. Secondly, it happened in a small village. It happened in Boston or maybe Providence would have been a bigger story I think Mm
0: -hmm. but because
2: it it wasn't really a tiny village back then I think that's part of it Mm
0: -hmm. and so as you were kind of researching and writing this book Mm -hmm. did you find yourself and your relationship to the characters changing like did you feel more or less sorry for Bathsheba as you kind of went through the research and writing the
1: book
2: it's a tough one Mm -hmm. um you know it's hard to to know was she mentally stable um as I mentioned the book uh trial or being excused due to insanity it was not really practiced until the mid-19th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she probably had, at least had a personality disorder. Mm-hmm. You know, she lied incessantly. She had five or six strange men living in her house as her husband's coming in and out of, out of the property. Uh, she had a quick temper. The uh, whole murder was very poorly planned. She jeopardized her three children's future. Um, certainly a personality disorder. I mean, I feel... Sorry for her in that respect. I think she was pushed into a corner. Mm -hmm. But a lot of women were, I think, in that time. Why did she react the way she did? Mm
0: -hmm. You know? Yeah. And was there kind of a generational impact on her children? What happened to them after this? I'm sure it was kind of Mm scarring to the rest of the family.
2: One became a Boston businessman. Uh, One legendarily died at sea off the coast of England. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the third child supposedly died hopelessly insane as an elder. What does that mean in the 19th century? Does it mean she had Alzheimer's? Does it mean she was somewhat demented? Again, the way they use the terms back then. Although there was a history of insanity in the family. So she may have died uh, genuinely insane. Mm -hmm. That's all we know about the kids.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, It seems weird because I know, like, as you said, it's a pretty poorly planned Mm-hmm. but I think that we have such a better advantage now with all the like crime TV, yeah. like plan oh. a really good murder. <laughs> um, so like what, what are some of the things that you think she did poorly?
2: Uh, she was, just a, it was just a poor planner in general. Mm-hmm. I think she, when she just finally discovered she was pregnant, she went into a high stress mode yeah. and she didn't know how to deal with it. Uh, so she knew these two men, actually, well, she, so she asked Alexander way back in late December, probably maybe early January. Would you consider murdering my husband? So she must've known, well, as yeah, she would know when she was three months pregnant.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So as things get more and more desperate come February, uh, you know, March's around the corner. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Where am I going to go? I have three kids. What's my option? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think Things things really picked up at that point, and she had these three men available, uh, and that's when the the planning really took off. But it was it was poorly planned. The fact that there were so many murders, so many types of uh, sequences or uh, situations planned that never carried out, that were poorly thought through, uh, I think she wasn't thinking clearly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now I know this is um kind of a big. Story, and it's not something that happens to most people, thankfully. Um, but are there things that you think people can relate to when they read this story about this? I don't know, awful situation.
2: Yeah, I think, yeah, she's in a small town, mm-hmm. she's wealthy, she's with a man she detests, uh, she's high spirited, um, and she might be a little crazy. Yeah, just <laughs> a legal combination. Yeah. What she, what she, also, what did she do in the middle point middle point of the revolution?
0: Yeah. You no, know, they're
2: not interested in your your foibles There's a war going on.
0: Right. Yeah. You
2: know, your father is his her father was off, off in Staten Island. She was his, his her most important contact. He's mm-hmm. gone from the scene. Wow. She's really by herself. Mm-hmm. It, it's the it's the um response uh to uh, severe isolation
1: mm-hmm.
2: in a desperate circumstance, you know.
1: We're all dealing with isolation these days. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so as you started, like, I think I read that you were reminded at like a dinner party that you lived like really close to mm-hmm. where Fatshiba was Street, right. buried. Is that like, did you just wake up one day and you're like, you know what? I, I'm going to write this book or was it a long time coming?
2: I've always loved Worcester history, especially during the Revolution. And this is Worcester's most notorious story from the Revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and moving, I mean, the park is literally 20 feet across the street from us. Uh, yeah, I became really curious in the story. One book was published in the late 90s as I was mid-research. But before that book, nothing had been done on it. The book published in the late 90s is more of a scholarly approach. I wanted more of a novelistic kind of more easily readable. Yeah.
1: We appreciate that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and um where did you start when writing the book did you have an idea and did that idea change like did it become more novelistic as you were kind of going along with it really like this is sounding a little dry maybe I should take a different approach
2: yeah I decided I didn't want so much of an academic approach that would make for a shorter book also Mm -hmm. so as you see in the book a lot of side discussions of pregnancy marriage the war um military hospitals yada yada so Mm -hmm. I wanted to uh, bolster it with that. I wanted to make it really a more readable uh, book, really for the college-educated, again, more, more approached with novel, more readable.
1: Mm. And did From you, day one. Obviously, this is, like, near you, but what types of research did you have to do? Did you have to do letters, go to museums, primary and secondary cert, like sources? Did you have to do any travel?
2: Worcester is lucky. Worcester has um, America's largest archive, even for information before 1876, even be bigger than the Library of Congress. The American oh. American, American <laughs> Society. Uh, first, yeah.
1: everybody, I not know
2: that, <laughs> that they have they have two thirds of all printed matter before 1876. They own two thirds of it. Uh, so that was my first source. They also have a lot of uh, primary material from the Revolution. So I would just randomly I would. I try to recall old Worcester families and I pull the family file and I find these letters and these journal entries that no one had looked at. So that was my primary source. Also local libraries in all the towns that uh, involved the book, Brookfield, Hardwick, Princeton, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of local libraries, mass genealogical in Boston, uh, mass historical in Boston, but the American Antiquarian Society in Worcester was primary.
0: Mm -hmm. And um, I I also want to note, because it is such a big time in American history, were there things that you kind of started to go into and then since you wanted to create more of a concise book, was did you have to kind of leave some stuff out that maybe you initially thought you would keep in or, you know, did you have to separate some stuff? <laughs> I
2: would love to pursue more of the uh, what happens to the children. Mm-hmm. Also beforehand, where the soldiers come from, uh, where they both, where were they at before Saratoga? I'd like to dig, delve more into their lives, certainly. Uh, but yeah, I had to stop it sooner or later.
1: Yeah, did you have a piece of the book that you just loved writing, and then a piece that you hated, like you had to rework over and over again?
2: The murder part was uh, the most involved and probably the best to write. So, just trying to organize, taking all the information from confessions, from letters, uh, trial notes, etc., etc. It took a lot of organizing. It's just fun, must be grisly. Writing the murder sequence was interesting. The entire events of the night before, night after, the, the, the hours after, rather. Uh, the most tedious part, in some ways, the legal background, taking Blackstone's commentaries, trying to apply it to jurisprudence practice in America in the 18th century. That, and I'm not a lawyer, so that took a lot of wrangling to get that downstream. Yeah. Mm.
1: Did you put like a map on the wall and connect red lines?
2: <laughs> I didn't do that. Those are shuffling of cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, do you think? that was it shocking for people that a woman would be executed at this time? I'm just kind of curious because I feel like we talk a lot about famous murder, murderesses in history. And even at the time of Bonnie and Clyde, people never expected sure. Bonnie because they're like a woman couldn't possibly have done that. <laughs> so was there a, a little bit of disbelief that Bathsheba could have done this?
2: Oh yeah. Especially given her social position. Mm-hmm. So imagine no exaggeration, probably imagine, Obama's daughter being involved in this. I mean, he was that famous in Massachusetts, her father was that famous.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Well, some of that high-born involved in a crime, not just a crime, but look at the complications of it. It's unbelievable. Mm
0: -hmm. She's
2: sleeping with five men, probably, you know? Right. Um, She throws her husband in in the well. (laughs) Mm. They're they're showing off his buckles the next day. It's just too crazy. Mm -hmm. I I think, yeah, obviously women haven't executed before. And according to legend, no women were executed after. That's not true, of course. Lizzie Borden, many years later. A couple women also after. By the way, her um, execution was said to um, influence Lizzie Lizzie Borden case, her acquittal, that Bathsheba was the infamous one who was discovered to have been pregnant and executed. So they didn't want to go near Lizzie Borden. So Mm -hmm. whether or not she was guilty, the suspicion is she was found innocent because of that. not guilty.
0: Yeah, I was wondering if it kind of created some hesitancy because they didn't really confirm that she was pregnant until it was afterwards, and I wonder if people afterwards are like, oh, don't want that to happen
2: again. <laughs> I mean... Wonder, but you wonder also down the road, inheritance-wise, did they want not want to deal with any children?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Who would... Whose baby wouldn't have been? Yeah. She's gone, he's gone. Ezra Ross is executed, who's probably the father.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That could be a very messy situation after.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Child, who, where would the child go? Mm-hmm.
1: Did you feel any pressure like this is a this is a big, big time in mm-hmm. American history, and Massachusetts is like the precipice of a, time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it felt like a weight on your shoulders
2: in writing it or
1: um juggling juggling, writing it correctly, i guess
2: yeah, um yeah, I was try to be very careful historically with it, uh yeah, I was very careful checking details,
0: mm-hmm. Now, did you have anybody in your area, like a fellow historian, who was like, mm, "I think maybe it was this way"? Or <laughs> were you pretty much like immune from that kind of input? So
2: much, but several uh, history professors have reviewed it since and have approved yeah. it.
0: Mm-hmm. great <laughs> all right well we are just so excited for people to find your book Bathsheba thank Spooner you. is so interesting and her wikipedia page obviously does not do her justice so
2: <laughs> I'm really
0: excited that you have taken the time to research her because yeah. it is a fascinating story
2: <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, Thank you.
1: yeah can you tell people where they can find you like if you have like a website or a social media and then w- or where they could buy the book
2: So www.bathshebaspooner.net, it's available for like 50 places online, different sites. Uh, The main was Amazon. So just type my name in at Amazon Books, and it comes up, the first one.
1: Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you for bringing this woman to our attention. She was so fun to read about, and we can't wait till our listeners do that too.
2: Thank you. I really appreciate it.